Welcome to the In the Oil Patch radio show, broadcasting from the SR Trident studio. SR Trident, where safety is a culture, not just a word. In the Oil Patch radio show with Kimball Auto is where you will hear the latest in the oil, gas, and energy industry from a wide variety of industry experts, elected officials, and more, right here on In the Oil Patch radio show. And welcome to In the Oil Patch radio show. I'm your host, Kimball Auto, and today... With my co-host, David Blackman, we have a great show lined up for you. We'll be joined by the commissioner of the Texas Railroad Commission, Jim Wright. But first, before we bring on Jim, I'd like to tell you about the latest issue of Shell Magazine. Bindel is the feature of the latest issue of Shell Magazine. Very, very interesting guy. Basically saying that Shell industry must change to survive. But will the industry listen? It's a great article. You've got to read all about it. If you want more information on Shell Magazine or to read the cover story, please visit shale, S-H-A-L-E-M-A-G.com. Did you know we are having our State of Energy, Corpus Christi, August 26, 2021, from 1130 to 1 p.m. at the beautiful Omni Hotel in Corpus Christi. Our keynote speaker will be Tracy Bentley, who is the CEO of the Permian Strategic Partners. The moderator for the panel will be Sean Strawbridge, the CEO of the Port of Corpus Christi. And the panelists will include Barbara Canales, judge of Nueces County, Bo McCall, the CEO of Moda Midstream, Brian Freed, the CEO of Epic Pipeline, and Jim Redinger, who is the CEO of Stabilis Solutions. This will be a sold-out event. For more information, be sure to visit shellmag.com and click on the banner ad to get more information on how to obtain your tickets or sponsor the event. Let me tell you about two upcoming mixers. First mixer is set for September 7th at the Hilton Doubletree Sky Lounge in Midland, Texas, as well as we have September 22nd, a mixer happening in Houston, Texas, Huge Landing Boulevard in the Woodlands is where that mixer will take place. To get tickets for either one of these events or for both, please visit shellmag.com and get your tickets there. And be sure to join us for the seventh annual Casa Golf Tournament, Crude Association of San Antonio. It is set for August 27th at the beautiful JW Marriott in San Antonio, Texas. For more information, please visit the banner ad on Shell Magazine's website. That's shell, S-H-A-L-E-M-A-G.com. And now it's time for me to welcome on my co-host and editor of Shell Magazine, David Blackman. David, welcome to this week's show. Hey, it's another beautiful day in the oil patch. There you go. You know what? I'm so excited because we have, uh, we are now airing in Minnesota, four different time slots. So people in Minnesota will be hearing all about oil and gas prices and learning a little bit more and uh, increasing their energy IQ like uh, Texas Public Public Foundation likes to say or use that phrase. Um, but let's get started with some questions that I have on uh, oil prices. They seem to be leveling off. Yeah. Um, and so that's crude. Now here we come with natural gas. Natural gas has been kind of at a lull for for years now for that we've years, done the yeah. show. <laughs> and now it's at $4 MMBTU now. Um, and that's kind of been the highest point since late 2018. So let's talk about why is this happening, the run up to this, and does the rest of the year look good for natural gas prices? Yeah, it actually does. Uh, my goodness, uh, this is something that really no one really expected. I mean, we, we thought we might get to $4 
over the past winter, if we had a cold winter, that didn't happen. Uh, but now we, we've come into the spring and summer where prices normally moderate and go down a bit. And, and the prices just continue to get stronger and stronger. And, and the reason, uh, well, there's a couple of main reasons. One is just uh, dramatically increased demand for U.S. natural gas on the international liquefied natural gas market. Uh, a lot of demand from Europe and other parts of the world for, for natural gas from the United States, which tends to be lower priced than from other parts of the world. Um, and then also uh, a lack of anticipated recovery in natural gas production here in the United States. And so the, these two factors, and, and, and of course, at the same time, demand for natural gas in the United States has come back pretty strong from the COVID pandemic. So all of those factors have uh, just combined to create a pretty tight natural gas market here in the U.S., for the first time in many years, really since 2009, um, uh, the natural gas price has been pretty depressed. Um, so, you know, it's, it's, a, it's a good outlook for the rest of the year for producers because we're about to, in just a few months, we're right in the middle right now of summer, uh, you know, air conditioning season and heavy electricity uses. And right. then in just a few months, we're gonna start going back into the season, the colder months where we start having to take natural gas out of storage to meet demand and you know storage levels are pretty low right now so i i think we could have five dollar natural gas this winter regardless of how how cold it is that's excellent news for i'm assuming the mineral right owners and uh, yeah. operators that are focusing a lot on the natural gas and there's certain shell plays that have more natural gas going on than the crude oil, but let's, let's talk about that because I want to try to, you know, explain the differences between we have seen higher oil prices and which have led to higher prices at the gas pump. So we, I want the consumers to understand you see higher oil prices, you see our administration uh, letting these things, uh, letting these prices go up higher and our dependence on uh, other countries like the Middle East for our oil prices. Um, crude prices, if you will, lead to higher gas prices at the pump. But what are the natural gas prices? Uh, what, where, do the cons where do consumers feel that pinch when yeah. we start seeing natural higher gas prices? Natural yeah, gas well, and, and consumers definitely do feel it uh, in most states, uh, you know, because natural gas, one of the, the main uses for natural gas in the United States these days is in the power generation sector, uh, uh, here in Texas is a great example. We we generate more than 40% of our electricity every day uh, at natural gas-fired uh, power plants. And it's, it's the same situation in many parts of the country. And so when natural gas prices go up, uh, and if they stay there for a while, then utility companies are going to request, ask regulators to, to allow them to increase the price they charge for their fuel that they're using. Uh, and that results in higher electricity bills in your home. And of course, you know, uh, many people around the country use natural gas uh, for cooking and, and for heating their homes in the winter time. And, 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 you know, when the price goes higher, the commodity price goes higher, obviously their bills for those services are going to go up as well. So it does right. hit the consumers. Very different. Cause you know, if you, 
um, look at it and realize, okay, it's going to be tight this month. I can stop driving. I can try to limit my driving. So I'm not spending that much on gasoline, but it's a really hard thing to do when you're talking about utilities. You can't really sit in the dark. Yeah, <laughs> you, no. you do need heating and air conditioning. So there's not really any place to cut. Uh, so it's not quite as fun when you have high, high utility bills, um, and are no, struggling to make Yes. Let's talk about um, electric vehicles, too, because these are obviously a great, uh, a lot of people are talking about electric vehicles. There was a new study that came out, Bank of America, that said EVs, electric uh, vehicles, their batteries are likely to hit a big roadblock as early as 2025. So that's around the corner. And here everyone is chattering that electric vehicles are the thing of the future and everyone's going to be in them. It's kind of like the flying cars, I guess. Um, but uh, Bank of America is saying, hold on a minute. What do you think about that study? Yeah, well, it, so, and, and you're right. I mean, uh, we, we do see all this chatter about electric vehicles being the wave of the future. I frankly, I mean, my goodness, uh, they've been trying to make electric vehicles the wave of the future uh, for about 125 years now. It's never really come about. And, and there are reasons why. And we're, we're seeing that begin to materialize here. So what's happening with, with, with uh, electric vehicle batteries? They have to have massive supplies of critical minerals, rare earth minerals like lithium and cobalt and antimony, who, which nobody has ever heard of. All these rare earth minerals that we don't produce a lot of in the United States and uh, that China basically controls the market for. And we're seeing prices skyrocket for these minerals because as all these auto companies, you know, go to making electric vehicles, the demand for the batteries goes up. And if you're making more batteries, you have to have more of these minerals. So it's a supply and demand thing. Prices are skyrocketing. Bank of America sees that. They see a supply crunch coming because the world is not producing nearly enough of these minerals to satisfy projected demand for them. And uh, and yeah, a Bank of America study said by 2025, 2026 timeframe, which as you mentioned, is just around the corner, all of a sudden we're gonna have a lack of supply in the battery market. Well, that means that you know Ford says they're gonna convert their entire fleet by 2035. That's not going to happen. These are pipe dreams. This is This is a fantasy world we're living in where supply and demand supposedly doesn't matter. It matters. And the Bank of America study is just kind of a, an, an early indicator of that. You have actually talked about this quite a bit, whether it's in Shell Magazine yeah. or here saying there's a problem with these minerals that everyone is looking for. There are other countries that are the ones who are mining them. And here's where we get into a lot of trouble with you know, child labor um, that four-year-olds are mining to pull these cobalt and other resources out so we can have electric cars. I mean, there's mm-hmm. a whole lot to think about. Not only are we just not going to meet demand, but I don't think anybody has ever priced. Now, right now that they're, the EVs are higher market price, great. Uh, I guess people of uh, a higher income can afford the batteries if you have to replace them because those batteries only go so long just like a normal battery and then it's time to replace them but you're not talking about a couple of hundred dollars to replace those batteries you're talking about thousands of dollars to replace that battery yeah eight to ten thousand dollars for a tesla battery um Uh, yeah 
Yeah. So and the average person is supposed to be able to afford a vehicle like this, right? Like everyone is <laughs> going to be in a little Cobalt or something, a little Chevy, a Toyota Prius. Uh, I just don't um, see this happening. And I wonder why sometimes, um, you know, people are elected officials, uh, these presidents of these companies, why they're not really saying the truth to the American people. It's not going to happen problem we've got there too is is you have so much focus on the conversion to evs all this transition they're talking about you're lessening your focus on continuing to make the quality gas-powered cars that we know work and are continue to run into the future so uh, the whole country is putting itself at risk with such a hyper focus on all this and we need to I wish we had cooler heads in Washington to, to take a step back. We don't have that right now, though. Well, David, that is all the time that we have for this segment. But when we return, we will be joined by Commissioner Jim Wright with the Texas Railroad Commission. And you're listening to In the Old Patch Radio Show, and we'll be right back. And now, David, it is time for us to welcome on our guest today, Commissioner of the Texas Railroad, Jim Wright. Jim, welcome back to In the Oil Patch Radio Show. Thank you, Kim. Thank you, David, for having me back. You know, y'all's job is probably one of the most important jobs in Texas. It's an elected position. There's three commissioners. Your agency covers a lot of regulatory stuff, and it talks about oil and gas and other things as well. We've, we've had you guys on a lot I encourage our listeners to look up the Texas Railroad Commission if they do not know what you guys do. But I really wanted to take this time to give you a moment to talk about some of the things that are really pressing here in Texas when we talk about oil and gas. So I want to ask you a little bit about an idea that you've uh, been floating around about using stranded natural gas in power generation in Texas. So tell us what's going on there. I know this has been a focus of the whole entire commission, but you seem to have uh, an idea that might work well you know it it uh what we experienced in february kim was was not customary to what weather trends we see in texas but it did show us that what vulnerability we had in our electrical grid system and i think that vulnerability has been caused by unreliable sources that have been kind of forced upon texans to to utilize and, and I understand why, uh, when we talk about wind and solar and the protections that people feel like they offer to the environment versus utilize, utilization of fossil fuel. Um, so, but, but I think it's also has created a, a position for Texas where, where we're seeing some dramatic changes in, in, in relying on electricity and, 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 um, and what that means for every household in the industry. Yeah, and if we've seen what Texas has done over the past few years, we've, we've strongly grown in population, we've strongly grown in the industry, and, and that electrical demand just continues to grow. Uh, you know, we look at fossil fuel, and there's a lot of concern coming from, from across the nation on, on what those uh, uses of fossil fuel to generate electricity has really uh, impacts on our environment. And, uh, you know, it's, it's a concern and, and everybody seems to, to be wanting to address that. So, you know, I, whenever we experienced February, I looked at that and thought, okay, how do I get usage of our excess natural gas that we produce here in Texas to benefit uh, all Texans and having reliable energy that is also protecting our environment when it comes to electrical generation? 
So, you know, we, we refer to that gas a lot through the media as flared gas. And, and I don't really like that word a lot. I like it more as stranded gas because people understand what's really going on with flaring. It's, it's not that uh, we're out just after oil. We have situations where flaring is, is necessary today because of that gas may be contaminated or it may not have a market to go to. So, but Commissioner Wright, what about, I think there's companies that really do specialize in that, one of them being Agreco, who, you know, we've interviewed a lot, that they actually have the product to be able to do this. So is oh, there... There, a, there is certainly tons of products out there to treat uh, contaminated gas that I refer to. The problem is, is that economics don't always work for producers to use those products. And, and that's where I think uh, the, the answer to our flaring issues, our stranded gas is, is beefing up market for that natural gas. Okay. You know, I, I can say one thing. I, I don't know of anybody that spills uh, crude oil on the ground intentionally. <laughs> uh, we certainly have a market for that. And I, and I think we need to put strong emphasis on improving our natural gas market so that that resource is utilized. So when, when you look at what happened during February and, and getting a, a fuel that is reliable and, and and further protects our environment just just along the same lines as renewable energy i think natural gas is the answer to that to that issue and, and when you look at just what we talked about stranded gas or flared gas because it's either contaminated or or there's not capacity for it to get to market that gas could be utilized to further uh help electrical generation and 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 ensure that we have enough uh, electricity for the need, not just now, but moving forward in the future. That's right. And and uh, so so, what I asked staff to do immediately after the winter storm was, hey, uh, can you guys print me out a map and show me all the abandoned pipelines in Texas? And the staff came to my office and they laid a map out on my conference table. They said, well, here's all the abandoned pipelines. And I looked at that map and I said, well, where's Texas? Because you couldn't see Texas. There's so many abandoned pipelines <laughs> in the right. state. And I said, well, let's, let's, let's try to narrow this down, if you don't mind. I said, could you guys go back to the mapping room and, and give me a map with six-inch diameter or greater lines and bring it back in and lay it on the table? So they did. They brought it back in, and I could actually see Texas at that point. But one thing that surprised me about that was that we do have lines that are coming from, gen, from where our big generation points are, East Texas, West Texas, the Panhandle that tran transfer gas from those markets to our markets that utilize the, the majority of our electricity markets, such as Dallas, Houston, San Antonio, Austin, the Valley. There's all major pipelines that have been abandoned that go to those areas. So when I, when I saw that, I, you know, I, I thought, you know, how do, how do we resurrect that to where we're not going out and inhibiting landowners we're utilizing right of ways that have been in existence prior or still in existence today and possible pipelines that still have the capacity to carry that type of gas and and if we do that and we we try to get the the renewable sources to to be more on a level playing field which is where i was kind of disappointed with sb3 because yeah. it was in there at one point it was yes so they said that uh hey uh renewables you're allowed 20 percent of the market but when you can't produce that 20 percent of the market you're going to have to buy it from a reliable source and, and and produce it i mean that's only fair to me uh right. but but that got struck out of sb3 which i which i think was a 
was a huge defeat in what I'm trying to accomplish. But, but I think given if people are following what's going on at legislature now, legislative people over there are starting to realize how important that is to, to, to have reliability in our electrical grid. We, we need to make sure that there's reliability in, the, in that production of that electricity. So I think they're putting more emphasis now at relooking at you know, if we're going to give you 20% of the market, you got to produce 20% of the market. And find yeah. a way, so, right. So, you know, with that hope moving forward, you know, and, and the excess gas that we have here and, and, and knowing that if we create more of a market, uh, the need to flare or, or, or the need to, to uh, waste any natural resource as far as gas is concerned. It and, sounds like uh, a, a great idea to me of what we saw happening with fresh water in the very beginning of Eagle Ford and, of course, the whole shell play. We're going to have to take a quick break. You're listening to in the Oil Patch Radio Show. We'll be right back. For the past 50 years, the people at Bulwark FR have served as the relentless protectors of workers in the oil and gas industry, but never as relentless as right now. That's because for the first time in decades, free to double down on flame-resistant apparel that's designed to understand your workday and your world. See how they're finally at full power for you at BulwarkIndependence.com. That's Bulwark spelled B-U-L-W-A-R-K, Independence.com. And we're back. You're listening to in the Oil Patch Radio Show. Our guest today is Jim Wright with the Texas Railroad Commission, elected official Jim Wright with the Texas Railroad Commission. Jim, you were talking about a solution possibly for flaring uh, here in the state or repurposing natural gas, very similar to what the operators have gone to with repurposing water that they were using, fresh water, and now we see a lot more of repurpose. I'd like to get the floor back to you if you'd like to finish off that thought. Yeah, sure. Thank you. Uh you know, again, when you look at that stranded gas and, and creating more of a market for that, you know, I've met with several federal congressmen on, on you know, what would our chances be if we if we took that gas, took it to a generation source in those metroplex areas, and and with that generation, we captured that carbon that, that was produced from that generation process and utilized that carbon as we are in the field today in a lot of instances. Could could that system be considered a closed loop system where it does it does have, it has zero impact on the environment? Right. And, and if it, if we do that, shouldn't I qualify for comparable tax subsidies as renewable energy because that to me is a more reliable source of fuel. Thus, we have a more reliable reliability in our electrical grid. So that's something I've been working really hard on lately to try to push and. That's probably more of a federal issue than it is a state issue when it comes to tax subsidies. So right, right. I've talked to a, to a lot of different congressmen here in the state, and they've all been in agreement with that. Commissioner, so along these same lines, uh, you're talking about the grid and the, the legislature still thinking about solutions. Uh, I heard Governor Abbott on the radio, and he was talking about uh, his belief that the legislature really did everything it needed to do uh, during the regular session related to the grid. And I, I just... It doesn't feel like that to me, and I just am curious uh, from the Railroad Commission's perspective, do y'all feel like uh, everything's been resolved where the grid's concerned? You know, it, as far as the governor is concerned and, and his, his initial reactions to all this, I, I think when you look at ERCOT and PUC and the task they have before them of supplying deregulated electricity to our state, 
is a very complicated process. I mean, yeah. it's hugely complicated. It's not something that you're going to learn and understand overnight. So I think it's taken some time for our governor to fully understand the complexity of that and what really happened in February. And if you see what he's done over the past two weeks, along with a lot of the senators in our in our uh, capital, they're, they, they're, they're getting a better understanding. Yeah. And, and uh, Governor Abbott just this last week sent another letter to the PUC uh, reiterating that we need to look at the renewable energy and make sure that we can rely on their performance in one way or the other. They've asked them to to really take a hard look at that and, and come up with a strategy that makes that perform, whether that is you've got to buy that from a reliable source or whatever that outcome may be, which is another hope that we have that PUC may pick that up and, and start enforcing that. Yeah, I, I just wonder though, don't, don't the PUC, aren't they gonna need some statutory authorization to move in that direction? I, I'm just, I'm, I, I'm not yeah. sure that they currently have the authority under law to change the market that way, do they? You know, Sen Senator uh, uh, Swartner held a hearing yesterday. I don't know who got to watch that. And and he was kind of diving into those same exact issues about yeah. you know, what authority do you, PUC, ERCOT have? And what can we do to, to, to make sure that we're supporting reliable sources? You know, there, there was no direct mention on, on what, I, what I want to hear, but, but I think the only answer to that question from Senator Swartner is, we, we have to take a long look at renewable and how are you going to, to make sure that you're reliable so that we, you know, yeah. what happens a lot, and this happens every day, and I don't think people understand it, is, is ERCOT has to go out and predict the market. <laughs> right. so, so they have to buy that and they buy it based on reserve. Well, a lot of that comes from wind and solar. Yeah. Well, you know, we're, we're not real good at predicting the weather here lately in Texas. Right. Right. So, so, you know, if the next day rolls around and the wind's not, not blowing and the sun's not shining, that reserve is not there. And that's, that's what you see come out from ERCOT when they say, please conserve right. your electrical. The wind oh, stopped that, blowing in West Texas. That's well, what happened. Well, you know, gentlemen, we do have someone here on the show that may not be predicting the weather, but does predict oil prices. And that's, you know, of course, my co-host, David. And he does a pretty good job of keeping up with that he's Believe pretty much it, on the market. Yeah. Oil <clears throat> prices is easier than the weather. Than the weather, exactly. <laughs> With that, gentlemen, let's take a break. Uh, you're listening to an Oil Patch Radio Show, and we'll be right back. Join us for the 6th Annual State of Energy Luncheon on Thursday, August 26th in beautiful Corpus Christi at the Omni Hotel on North Shoreline Boulevard starting at 10.30 a.m. The keynote speaker this year is Tracy Bentley, the CEO of Permian Strategic Partnership. Other speakers include Bo McCall, the CEO of Moda Midstream, Judge Barbara Canales, and Brian Freed, the CEO of Port of Corpus Christi. Sean Strawbridge will be the moderator for the luncheon. Don't wait to get tickets as this will be a sold-out event. Email aslan at shalemag.com. For tickets and sponsorship information, that's Aslan at shellmag.com. Any business can benefit from advertising to the oil and gas industry, but it's really important to partner with a marketing company that has a proven track record with this growing industry. Shale Oil & Gas Business Magazine is the one-stop shop that'll keep you in front of the customers that you need to grow your business. So let's start growing your business in Texas. Email us, info at shalemag.com. We're back. You're listening to In the Oil Patch Radio Show. Our guest today is Jim Wright, one of the commissioners of the Texas Railroad Commission. Hey, Commissioner, uh, the natural gas market, we've been talking about it a lot in this show. Um, 
right now it's booming, man. We, we've got strong prices and, you know, in Texas and across the country. And, uh, you know, I know our rising LNG export market has a lot to do with that. Uh, and a lot of that's going on in Texas, of course. Uh, thank God. Uh, it's been a, been a major, big, uh, uh, growing industry here in the state. But I just I, I want to give you a chance to kind of talk about that and, and what other factors you see, you know, that have helped to create this stronger natural gas price. And if you think we might be able to expect that going forward, I know, I know the commission doesn't necessarily project prices, but, uh, you know, I know you also keep a, a good eye on the market. You know, David, I, that's really a great question. I'm going to give you my personal theory on that because you're right. I, we don't predict the market here at the commission, but uh, you know, th there is a lot of uh, investor pressure right now on investing in fossil fuel and, and that resource throughout the world, to yeah. be honest with you. And, and those investors are calling for further emphasis on protection of the environment through what they call ESG. Mm -hmm. And, and, uh, and it's caused a lot of knee-jerk reaction where people have said, we're gonna discontinue using fossil fuel. Yeah. Well, you know, they, they put a fear around, I think around the world. And, and this is coming back to answering your question of what's causing that price to rise today. Because the realization is you really cannot do without that. We don't have strong technology yet in other sources of energy that really are reliant or affordable. So, so when you see that market coming back today, that's what I credit that to. I, I think that, you know, we, we've, we've, we've been so concerned about keeping investor interest in the, in the, in our resource market that a lot of people have, have thought about abandoning that, which really couldn't afford to do it. So, so now it's turned around and said, Hey, you know, we, we really need this to, to continue to, to operate. And uh, that's, what's causing more of a demand from the market today. Which yeah, I, and I, you're going to continue to see that. Huh? Right. I, I worry about that, too. You know, this trend in the media mm -hmm. to talk about the, the ESG and the, you know, the energy transition and how we're just going to willy nilly replace natural gas with wind and solar. And the reality is that the battery technology you would have to have in order to be able to use uh, wind and solar as baseload electricity generating capacity. Uh, doesn't exist. It, it's not there. The, the technology simply does not exist today. And I will tell you, Commissioner, I was on the phone with the CEO of a very large company a couple of weeks ago doing an interview. Uh, and they they went through a slide presentation that they, they're using. And one of the slides talks about uh, ERCOT's increasing reliance on wind power in particular for baseload uh, on the Texas grid. And Man, I, I just, when I see that in, in companies, big companies with big dollar interests in the grid talking in those terms, it scares me to death. You know, you, you're right, David. What, what a lot of people see just from a simple source, it's kind of like uh, educating people on who the railroad commission is and what we represent and how important the oil and gas industry is for Texas. A lot of people don't know that, that, that wind power is 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 not the economical answer it, it carries such a subsidy and if you knew what those real costs were mm -hmm. and, and we're paying for it you're a taxpayer yeah. i'm a taxpayer everyone's a taxpayer we just don't realize you know how much that's really truly costing us when, when you just simply look at it in your mind you would think well wind's free and sun is free so my electricity should be free it's not that simple it's a lot more complicated than that and, when, and if you really dive in and follow the money 
uh, those tax subsidies are costing us much greater than reliable sources are, such as nuclear yeah. or, or natural gas or coal. And, and, and it, you know, a perfect example of that today is look at what's happened to California because we're mimicking exactly what the, that state has gone And through. you wouldn't think Texas would be doing that. But I want to switch gears and just ask you your opinion on, on when David interviewed that company, too, and this is the second company, the third company that we've had these discussions with that are all kind of saying the same thing. That at the end of the day, if we keep on this path and ESG and the price of doing business and all these regulatory taxes and things that are coming down from the Biden administration, the goal looks like there will be 10, if maybe 15 major oil and gas companies drilling. And I think about that and I realize Texas is, would be one of the worst states affected. Our jobs, how many jobs are focusing on oil and gas to think that there would only be 10 operators and this is what worldwide we are talking about a huge economic impact that is going to completely gut so many jobs and i don't know why people are not talking about that either what's your opinion on that you know i've always been a, a champion for the smaller producers and and uh, you know the, of course the large producers are very important for our for our economy as well but in smaller producers i think they buy more locally and they hire Yes. Locally and and, and yeah. I think they really are the true impact to, to what our economics are here in Texas. Mm -hmm. But when you go through tough times like we've seen through COVID, and then you're having to fight all the new regulation that's coming down and, and those impacts and, and the scarcity. I mean, you know, people are scared to really jump off and and and, and bet on what's oil and gas gonna be for me in the future because they really don't know what Biden administration is gonna end up doing. Um <laughs> So, you know, it, right, right now, I think is, uh, you know, coming from me uh, as a Texas Railroad Commissioner and talking to the smaller producers and, and knowing how important they are for Texas, you know, I, I, I want to make sure that rules are applied as fairly as I can so that they have certainty in making those investments. And, and when I look at small, medium and large guys out there, I don't look at them of who they are or what they do. I look at what, what would their possible impact on our environment be if a catastrophe happened. So if I've got a guy that's got 20 wells and, and he had a catastrophic event, it wouldn't be as impactful as a guy that has 10,000 wells and he had a catastrophic event. So, you know, I'm, I'm starting to look at how we promulgate new rules and how we start to implement those new rules and how should those be applied? And I think that we need to take a stronger look at a scale and look at it from that regard right. than, than we have been in the past where one size fits, fits all. Fits all, and it definitely yeah. doesn't. Yeah. Jim, you're absolutely right. We're going to take a break. When we return, we're going to talk a little bit about what's happening here in Texas policy and D.C. And, of course, we know the legislators met for a special session, and we had a whole bunch of Democrats fly off to D.C. I want to get on that topic you're listening to in the Oil Patch Radio Show. We'll be right back. Hi, I'm Kim Bilotto, wanting to talk to you about how to age gracefully. As a woman, my appearance is important to me. It makes me feel good about myself when I feel I'm taking care of myself. And I have been visiting a woman for many years who has helped me with my wrinkles, my skin's elasticity. And you know, a lot of people think it's really just involving women, but it's not. Many, many men also seek treatments as they see the aging process occurring. I visit Cynthia, my friend of many years, who is a master injector for San Antonio Cosmetic Surgery. I feel very 
very comfortable going to her and allowing her to just do her work on me. Pick up the phone, call Cynthia, make an appointment and see what she can do for you because it has taken years off of me. So if you want a free consultation with Cynthia, give them a call at 210-641-4320. Again, the number's 210-614-4320. Or you can visit their website at sanantoniocosmeticsurgery.net. Be sure to tell them that Kim with In the Oil Patch Radio Show sent you. Roseland Oil & Gas is excited to bring you the third annual South Texas Oil & Gas Convention, September 15th through 16th at the Henry B. Gonzalez Center in San Antonio, Texas. This will be a huge networking opportunity for the oil and gas industry. Does your company offer a service, product, or equipment for the oil and gas industry? Well, you want to sign up today to exhibit or attend at roselandconsulting.com, roselandconsulting.com, or give Roseland a call. 903-787-7544. 903-787-7544. Hi folks, Alvin Bailey here. Did you know Agreco is proud to sponsor in the Oil Patch Radio Show? Agreco has served Texas oil fields for over 10 years, supporting producers with temporary power to get their product to market. When utility power is not available, Agreco is your reliable alternative. They service everything from pump jacks with a single 200 kilowatt unit to massive gas processing facilities requiring 50 megawatts or more. Agreco is your dedicated engineering partner for diesel and natural gas generators as well as battery power solutions. Call Agreco today at 1-800-AGRECO. That's 1-800-A-G-G-R-E-K-O. And we're back. You're listening to In the Oil Patch Radio Show. Our guest today is Jim Wright, one of the commissioners with the Texas Railroad Commission. Commissioner, as, as we conduct this interview today, um, we have a situation and we, we've been talking about the special session that the legislature is supposed to be in. I guess it technically still is in, although it doesn't have a quorum. But as we record this interview, 51 Democratic members of the legislature have fled the state and say they plan to stay in Washington, D.C. until the session, the special session's over. Um, You know, the session lasts 30 days. Uh, In an effort to kill this election integrity bill that uh, the Republicans and the governor are trying to get passed. And I understand, I realize this isn't really a part of your job, but I, I, I just, you know, I realize that they can do this technically, but do you do you think this is really a legitimate political tactic for these elected officials? You're an elected official. Is this a, a tactic you would ever employ? No. Uh, no. To to nullify an election, essentially. Never. You know, I uh, I was elected by the people of Texas to do a job that improves things for Texas, and uh, you know, if somebody runs away from doing that job, I think that's pitiful. I think it's shameful. Uh, you know, I I, I think that that. They ought to at least sit there and argue their ground. I mean, if they have differences, they need to argue those differences, and they need to be heard. That's what this is all about. Yeah, they need to be at the Capitol doing that. They don't need to be sitting in Washington and playing right. it because, that, right. to me, that's that's not what our what our voters have asked for. Well, they have so, a new problem too, right? That they said that uh, I think Governor Abbott said they're going to he's going to continue to keep pushing sessions all the way through until it's time for them to get reelected. 
he and, did make that statement. I think that's a great statement to make. You so know, if you don't want to come back, don't come back. But you're, we're going right. to keep doing this until it's time for the Texan, for, for your constituents to reelect you. And I guarantee you they're not. I don't know about y'all, but my Facebook page lit up with just anger <laughs> yeah. of like, this is unacceptable for somebody to go run off instead of want to deal with the problem, like you said earlier. Most definitely. You know, I, I, I kind of uphold Texas as being a, a really unique, great state, and that doesn't uh, that doesn't put a very good light on that feeling for me. So, you know, I, I if I had to, to offer some advice, you know, I, I wish they would consider coming back and at least sitting down and being heard on you know what their issues are, and and I know that politics uh, in in the House today are are heavy on the Republican side and not so heavy on the Democratic side, but. But, you know, putting aside partisan lines, making good points at the Capitol in your argument, it doesn't matter what side you're on. Uh, you know, if you, if you got a point to make, stand there and make that point. Don't run away right. from it. Right. And, you know, I mean, uh, it just, it's, it's uh, essentially elections have consequences. If you, if you want to pass the bills the, in the form you like, you need to win elections. That's and true. Democrats right. in this state haven't been doing you're that. You're exactly right, David. And, and you know, People of Texas uh, uh, vote the way that they, they, they think they should vote, and, and uh, they do that for a reason, because they feel like the people they have elected can, can help better the livelihood and the things that we have here in Texas, and, and that's what we all should be working for every day. So you have a solution for the stranded natural gas, and you're trying to help, of course, the operators and, and us do something with that gas instead of flaring it and repurpose it to some degree. When do you think we'll start seeing... Um, something coming out of like a real solution in writing from you as far as like here are some of the proposed great great question and and i've been asked this uh, several times especially here in the past couple of weeks uh my intention is to, to write a huge op-ed on exactly what i'm doing and, and getting it out of the office here hopefully in the next couple of weeks okay. you know it, it's taken me a long time david kim to to understand ERCOT and puc and all the challenges yeah. they face and and, and what deregulation has really caused and where it's leading us in our electrical grid system. And like I said before, it's very complicated. So I wanna make sure before I put something down that it's facts. And, and you know, I've been blessed that I've had a lot of people that are experts in that arena that have, that have volunteered to help me understand that. And, uh, you know, I'm, I'm moving forward even, even further. I think, I think uh, there's some proposals from experts out there that we ought to be spending some some of our tax dollars today to further understand and, and, and critically understand what the future looks like in our electrical grid system and, and get experts that can do a study that's factual based, not not uh, not just bringing people that actually control that in and, and questioning them. But I, I think we need to bring outsiders in that have have expertise and and get solutions created by them that, that could be considered, because I can tell you, uh, from what I understand on our electrical grid system, I think we're gonna be without electricity come August also. There's gonna be parts of Texas that's gonna experience blackouts. Yeah. And, and that's something that, that we in Texas have the ability to change. And and, uh, and I know we're doing the best we can, but, but I'm talking about this is gonna probably have to be a major revamping, which is why I think natural gas becomes so important in, in part, as part of that major revamping of our grid system and our electrical delivery to households and industry. Is it going to be research and paper-based, or is this going to be, like David said, it's going to require a piece of legislation to be passed so ERCOT and PUC potentially can actually do something with it? Are their hands going to be tied if that doesn't happen, if we don't get a piece of legislation? 
ERCOT and PUC have their jobs that they have to do every day, and which is a major job for both those agencies. Um, you know, I think we would be better served to have somebody that's outside that's concentrated fully on number one, what did deregulation cause? Number two, what happened to us in February? Number three, how are we going to fix that from occurring again? And how are we going to continue to deliver reliable, uh, cost effective energy to our households and to our industry? And I think that needs to be set, done something on the side because we have a lot of fires that burn every day in that system all across the board that PUC and ERCOT are dealing with in addition to trying to come up with all the, the new ways of ensuring that this doesn't happen again. So I, I just think it would help them and it would help Texas a lot if we looked at, at an outside party to, to come in and do that. Yeah, I think it also keeps clear lines too. And Jim, on behalf of David and myself, I want to thank you for coming back and talking to us here in the oil patch, telling us a little about your idea. It sounds like a grand idea. I'm looking forward to seeing your op-ed piece. Um, and seeing what the solutions are here in Texas. And one thing is for sure also, we're getting so many people moving into Texas. If we don't figure out what we're going to do with the grid system, we're definitely going to be sitting in the dark a lot more than just in August. So, Thank you guys for having me on today. Thank you. Thank you, Commissioner. In the Oil Patch is where, together, we explore topics that affect us all in oil, gas, business, and in your community. Every week, your host, Kim Bilotto, will visit with the movers and shakers in this fast-paced industry. You'll hear from industry experts, elected officials, and many more right here on In the Oil Patch.